Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to a historical edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. It is Friday, April 28th. This is Keon Sabani. Historical because for the first time ever, we have opened up the live Zoom call for free. Typically, we only do it for patrons and uh, thought today, you know what? Let's just test this out. Let's see how it goes. A lot of people want to join the calls for whatever reason. They're not patrons yet. And so we thought, you know, we're going to uh, just kind of open it up a little bit and take some questions and whatnot. And so if you guys have any questions, just raise your virtual hand and... uh and then we'll we'll kind of talk about it face to face. And while you guys take the time to do that, uh, I'll just mention quickly that um, uh, we have a lot of content that's coming your way. A lot of it's already been recorded, and we're just kind of kind of publish it and release it as we go. And uh, we'll see where this podcast goes. So you guys can submit questions about anything you want. Um, there is obviously some news today about Luka Modric. I'm sure we'll talk about many relevant things such as Manchester City and whatnot. Um, but feel free to get creative because if you guys listen to the podcast regularly, you know that it can be challenging sometimes coming up with new topics when you cover the same team every single day, talking about them every single day, uh, especially when there's a little bit of a lull in between games. There's not that much to talk about. So uh, the more creative the question, the more I encourage it. And that's all I'll say. And you guys can... Uh, and I'll leave the rest up to you, okay? So first question rolling in here is from Oscar. Oscar, are you there? Hey, guys. I got hey, a man. haircut since the last Looking time good, we buddy. talked. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, hey, listen. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited. I've been missing y'all's podcast. been really busy lately. Uh, but I'm glad that I got this uh, chance to join the call. Uh, I was thinking about... You know, a lot of people are talking about it's almost like a like a 50-50 split with uh, Carlo staying or leaving. Uh, and, you know, it's it's you know, I I I, I kind of want to my question is kind of more of a, a talking points, you know, where does the does the fan base really feel like we need another year of this or or. 
and the the one thing that I don't hear people talking about is how he feels, uh, how Carlo feels about or or speculations really because we don't know how he's gonna feel, but speculations of how he's he feels about you know live leaving either on top or certainly with the magical season that we had last year. So I don't know if you heard any rumors or anything about that sort of uh, you know him going to the Brazilian team because I feel like for me it's such a golden opportunity for him to transition from the greatest club ever to the greatest national team ever. So it's it's almost like a, you know a fairy tale story, and so I just feel like sometimes I hear people say oh he shouldn't leave leave. we got we got another year we can still get going through this and some some other people are like on the other opposite so i'm kind of think my question is more like how do you view the polls of the fan base with also how what do you what's your speculation on how he might be going through right now whether he's going to stay or leave well uh i guess put your Put yourself in his shoes. What like what is like the perspective of him? He is a Maridista. He has said many times that if any time Real Madrid come calling, he will put everything aside and come. Poor Everton fans learned that the hard way. I don't think he's going anywhere unless he's, he gets fired. And I personally, as a Maridista, if I was the coach, obviously I'm severely underqualified for that. But if I was a coach, I wouldn't want to go anywhere unless I was fired. I would fight it out till the end and keep going. Mind you, like he's still fighting for two trophies. Uh, he's got a group of players that are extremely easy to coach and likable. They love him. And so I, I, I think it would be a lot different like if he was managing all these egos who hated him and he hated showing up to work every day and all that stuff. But, you know, he, he also gets to work with his son every day. Like there's it's I feel like in a lot of ways what Carlo was enduring now is He's got the dream job, not least because he gets to coach Real Madrid, which I admittedly for I think a lot of coaches would be an extremely, extremely difficult job. And it obviously is for Carlo, too. But I think with Carlo in particular, he has the temperament and the the know-how of managing the club, where I think he really, really enjoys going to work every day. And why wouldn't he? I mean, I think last year and La Decimo was probably two of the most unforgettable years of his entire life. And so to have that privilege to be able to coach the club, I don't think he's going anywhere on his, um, unless he's sacked. And so now I, I, the way the club views it, I have, I really don't know. I, if the, I think if he wins the Champions League, he's not getting sacked. If he wins the Copa del Rey and not the Champions League, you know, the, that has not been enough in the past to keep a manager on. Uh, and before you say, well, look at Carlo, what he's done last year, he's won the Champions League. Well, he got sacked literally the year after winning La Decima. And the reason they crashed out, it was a lot of it was out of his control. He got them to the semifinals. The team burnt out. They didn't have depth. He didn't get the signings he wanted, all that stuff. So, I, you know, whether that Copa del Rey trophy is going to be enough to keep him in a job this year, that is that remains to be seen. But, yeah. you know, the Brazil job as cool as it is, I don't think it's as cool as the Real Madrid job, to be honest with you. Will the Brazil job also be there in 2024? Who knows? Maybe whoever manager they bring in now until that point 
um, does a really great job and stays, or he does a terrible job and that job is still open. But I think like you can't like play the waiting game because I think that can backfire in many cases. I think right. he stays if he if he especially if he wins the Champions League and he should stay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I like that. I mean, I I, I appreciate your uh, honesty about that because you know, like, and I guess when you say put myself in his shoes, like. For me, I mean, I love Real Madrid, but I also like new things. I I, I don't like staying in one position at, at for more than you know two three years. So it's almost like you know I I, I want to see him enjoy winning a World Cup, even though like I mean twenty twenty six Brazil is going to be stat. That's going to be prime Rodrigo, prime Vinicius. Uh, we'll see what Andrik is going to do. Uh, you know, I just feel like. Uh, I, I I don't know. I just like for me and not that I want him out. I mean, obviously uh, I enjoy every moment, but I just feel like, you know, I, I wish I, I wish him nothing but the best. And yeah, so I, I don't want him. I don't want him to be, you know, I guess last time in 20 and, you know, 2014 or whenever 2015, whenever it was, I just feel like I didn't like how the club handled it back then. So I, I want him to leave on his own terms. So maybe that's where I'm coming from. But I appreciate you. Ideally, uh, that's what, how you want every every legend to leave the club. Amicable terms on top. Uh, obviously, that rarely happens, unfortunately. But you know me, like I've said this many times as a Canadian, I say Brazil's a great fit, but come to Canada, man. We need you. 2026, <laughs> we need you, Carlo. Come over. Come on over to the good side. Uh, yeah. Oscar, it's always a pleasure seeing you, man. Thanks for hey, thanks, thanks for hopping on. Bye. All right, man. Now we got uh, Aravind coming in. Aravind, are you there? Hi, Kian. Hello. How you doing? I'm I'm good. Uh, awesome. So my question to you, Kian, is uh, about uh, City. Yeah. Uh, so, like, do you, I don't know if you remember Carvajal had a really bad game against Barca in the Copa del Rey first leg. So Barca made sure that Carvajal was the only outlet and they pressed him constantly. First leg and, or second leg? Uh, first leg. The one at the Bernabeu? Uh, yes. And he gave away the ball a lot. So do you think that's going to be an issue for us? And how would uh, Carlo, what can Carlo do to uh, tackle this? Yeah, I think... And so... one more question before you start. Okay. Uh, so, uh, uh, against Arsenal, De Bruyne had an amazing game. Yeah. And uh, I don't think Arsenal really, you know, picked them up or like nobody even marked him. He was roaming everywhere. But against, uh, in the earlier in the year against, Ma in the United, uh, on, in the Manchester derby, Fred Mann marked him and uh, De Bruyne had a bad game. So, do you think if City were to, uh, play the same way do you think it's good to have uh, have De Bruyne man mark uh so this is an interesting question uh, I'll go back to your the first part of your question really quickly um I think Carvajal was good in the Champions League knockout game so far overall um I also think most players were good in the Champions League knockout games overall and I think most players who haven't been tested that much in these knockout games will be tested to um to their limits in these two ties. Um 
I, without wanting to swoon over Manchester City and maybe exaggerate how good they are, they're really good. I think they're the, the best team we'll have faced this season. I think they're the biggest test. I think Carvajal, who largely wasn't threatened in, against Liverpool or Chelsea, and to be fair, played good. I think, you know, Grealish will be a bigger test for him, for example. But there's a lot of fluid moving parts with City. And I don't think it's just Grealish. I also think you are rightfully bringing up the press, which is a different beast against City. Um, you know, I took note of a bunch of sequences in that Arsenal game where Arsenal actually, like, their build-out structure wasn't absolutely terrible, but they had no, um, no success at all escaping that press and getting into City's half in any meaningful way. And that's going to be a huge test because as we know with City, you have to bypass their press. And from there, then you can then we can entertain the idea of, you know, using our counter-attacking weapons and getting in the space behind their defensive line. But they their transition defense is also quick. Their rotations on defense are quick. There was a spell that Arsenal had in that game, like a rare spell. I think in the first half they had one where they actually knocked the ball around in City's half a little bit. They had no idea what to do with it once they got there. City rotated defensively really quick and then launched a counterattack and nearly scored from a breakaway. So City can also hurt you in a variety of different ways. It's not just through a press uh, and possession. They can also absorb and hit you with, in space too. Like, you know, Kevin De Bruyne flying in transition is not fun to defend. So so I do think Carvajal will be tested um, and... Definitely, I think you're you're right to point out that he needs to do well under pressure in in these two games, no question. Uh, what was your second? Oh, the man marking the Devin, Kevin De Bruyne, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think it should be noted as well that while that's an interesting idea, Kevin De Bruyne is not a rigid footballer. And what I mean by that is that if he's going to be fluid and move around the park. That means whoever he's man marking is going to be dragged all around the field too. Um, so I think you're going to have to go more zonal and communicate. If you remember, I, and maybe this is an extreme, extreme example, but <laughs> an extreme example of man marking going wrong was when Kovacic did it against Messi in the Classico, where he followed Messi all around the field. And because he was so focused on that, he, he, he failed to make quick, important judgment calls in the game where he actually needed to get away from Messi in certain situations and, and mark another player that was wide open, logically speaking, that would have made more, more sense to, to mark. Um, I, I believe in the intelligence we have in our midfield that I think you can, you can probably get away with a more zonal approach and just communicate better. I think as great as City were against Arsenal, I was unbelievably disappointed in Arsenal's performance and approach in the way they defended, the way they held the ball, the way they marked players. Uh, I think Real Madrid have to do better than that, obviously. I don't think De Bruyne will be man-marked. Um, it also, keep in mind, if you do man-mark him, I think it's a bit of a reactionary uh, tactic to, to, to implement in part because when you want, if you want to absorb pressure and counterattack, what you do in that situation if you're man-marking somebody is that you're at the mercy of being wherever De Bruyne is for a player that can really help you get the ball in transition. So I, I think from a positional standpoint, it's also a little bit risky to do that too um, when you win the ball, If you know you know what I mean? But it's, a, it's, a, it's not a bad idea in theory, but I, I'm just kind of pointing out some of the pitfalls and the counter-arguments that would come with that. 
make sense? Yes, yes it makes sense. Okay. Thank cool. you for, for Thank you, Aravind. Thank you for tuning on, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, all right. Next, we have um, Aditya. Aditya, are you there? Hi, yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Welcome, man. Uh, so, I don't know whether this is a fair question to ask, because uh, who do you think will be the bigger loss, speaking, you know, whether it will be Zereta or whether it will be Modric? And uh, whether losing Melita will be a bigger burden on the back line and Courtois to have a bigger performance or on the front line to mitigate the loss. It's a great question. Uh, I think Militao is the bigger loss because in midfield we have depth. And if you want to talk about Mortage's experience, which is invaluable, you, you have Cruz on the field to kind of calm the team down under pressure too. Uh, I'm a believer in Rudiger and and Nacho and Alaba, but I think Militao has been on such a, a different level this season to pretty much any center back in the world, ignoring what happened a couple of days ago in Girona. We're going to just ignore that, okay? We're just going to ignore it. Admittedly, it was not a good game from him, but I that was an anomaly. I think it was a blip in an otherwise phenomenal season from him. Uh, I think Militao is a huge loss, and I think... I've made this point regularly. Um, if you guys have heard me say it, sorry for repeating it again. When we talk about like some of the great goal scorers, Lewandowski this season, uh, in every single classical, Militao has put Lewandowski in his pocket. And so to not have that defensive weapon against a player like Holland, not to say that you can lock down Holland, but you can contain him and not having Militao there really hurts. So you need a huge, huge game from Rudiger. Whereas in midfield, I you have the cushion of, you have Kamavinga, who's amazing. You have Fede Valverde, who's awesome. You have Tony Cruz's experience in ball progression and press resistancy. So you have kind of the two-way stuff covered um, until Modric hopefully comes back for the second leg. But, but Militao is a, a massive loss, I think. Was there another question there? What was that? Uh, yeah, just, it was just a link to that. You know, I was asking whether the loss of Militao Will be a bigger burden on the back line or on the front line? Yeah, I mean, I, on the back line, like, I, you know, like Courtois. So like, you know, so since we have lost a major defender, our best defender, maybe, whether we need to put more pressure, whether the attackers will be under more pressure to score more, considering all our comebacks last season have been at the Bernabeu in the second day, and we are going to play the second day with City. So, you know, let's say, you know, the first the first leg is not going according to plan. You know, so in that scenario, will the attackers be under more pressure for the first leg or the back? Yeah, of course. I mean, everything, it's, it's a domino effect because if you don't have Militao and you, you concede more goals because of that as a byproduct of that, that means you have to score goals. And in turn, there's more pressure on the attackers. So... Um, it's all related in that sense, and the you just in, you just decrease your margin of error with all these things. If Militao's absence hurts you that badly defensively, and all of a sudden you have to score more against a team that can hold the ball and frustrate you, that's that's a problem. That's not that's not being put in a good spot. So, if I think it affects both ends, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you for tuning in. <clears throat> all right. Uh, next up, 
we have Godfrey. Godfrey, are you there? Hey, buddy, you're on mute. Oh, yeah. Hi, Kian. Hi, man. How you doing? I'm good. How about you? Great, great. What's up? What's your question? Uh, okay. I have a question in relation to what Oscar asked earlier. If at all Ancelotti decides to go to Brazil, um, theoretically, I've, I've seen rumors today and yesterday that Zidane, that rumor did that talking to Zidane just in case um, Ancelotti leaves. If Zidane comes back, I personally feel he can, he's better in terms of consistency, as in keeping you know, the, the flow going in terms of winning and everything else. And he knows Zidane how to or Ancelotti? Zidane, Zidane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Ancelotti is good at getting the best out of players, which Zidane, I don't think we've seen uh, in his two tenures as, as our coach. Uh, do you believe that? Going into the next generation of stars, uh, Galacticos, <laughs> and uh, Zidane is better, well, well suited for a job, you know, to keep the consistency going. Um, the second question is uh, the City game. Um, we'll have, we'll probably have uh, no Alaba which means we'll get to see Kamavinga playing at left back, which I'm not comfortable with, considering how Haaland played against Arsenal this week, which was like a beast and everything else, together with De Bruyne. Um, Modric is out, which means we'll probably have a midfield of Cruz, Chouameni and Valverde. Or if we have Mendy or Alaba back, we can have Cruz, Kamavinga and Valverde. Do you think this midfield will be able to is 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 good enough to face City? Because City, the way City played is beastly. Arsenal was playing like a number nine and everything else. So yeah, how I mean, I mean, Haaland was playing like a number nine. So how would that be? I th- I think that midfield is good enough to um to help provide a win against Manchester City. You you said Kamavinga, Chu, Many, and Cruz. Those were the three you mentioned, right? Or was it Fede? Yeah. Whatever the combination Fede. is, yeah, I, I truly believe that our midfield is good enough to beat any team. Um, that doesn't mean they have to dominate possession and press city and dominate control in the ball. It just means that from a two-way uh, standpoint, their tools and their talent, that, that's enough to beat any team, I think. And, and then the, the moving parts around that, uh, the moving parts around that engine um, also have to step up. But yeah, that, that's, it, it's, a, it's a fantastic midfield. Um, just, but just to be clear, it, it does look like Alaba is going to make it back. Um, Mendy may even make it back, but that's less likely, but Alaba, I think is going to make it back. And if he does, he starts, especially with Militao is Militao being out. So I think it's going to be Militao, Alaba, and then Ancelotti will have to, uh, sorry, uh, Rudiger and Alaba. And then Ancelotti will have to decide between Nacho and Kamavinga for left back. And uh, that, I think, is a big decision because based on that decision, it di- dictates, does Kamavinga play in midfield or does he play left back? And he plays left back, that opens up another spot for a midfielder. And so, I, you know, 
these are questions I don't have the answer to, but I'm just curious to know what, what Carlo will do. Um, clarify your first question, by the way. What was it? Was he done in Carlo uh, or something? Is it done in Carlo uh, and so Is it done better suited to uh, handle a new generation of Madrid players? Like, is it better qualified? Yeah. Um, I don't know because... First of all, I just want to say that I think I, I I actually believe Zidane is a better coach than Carlo Ancelotti overall. Um, and I thought he was really developing as a tactician in in as he as he kind of just learned the ropes of coaching. I mean, he's he's a very young coach still, right? He's still learning and evolving. And I thought as a tactician, he was also pretty underrated. But I do think his football became a little bit stale towards that last season, and and it became very de- defensive and and conservative and boring to watch. But overall. You know, you give Zidane some of the the younger players that Carlo has now. Maybe he can make it more dynamic and more fun, and and a different and bring us different style of play. Whether he's better suited to developing the young players, I don't really know. I mean, I think this highly, the answer to this question will depend on the era, the players, um, who he connects with, who he doesn't. If you remember when Zidane first became coach, uh there was a sense of like, okay, this guy really cares about long-term development. And he had just come from Castilla, so he incorporated some of those players. Then as it kind of wore on, he was like, you know what? I have my 11. I have Cruz and Modric. I'm never going to bench these guys. I'm never going to bench this player and that player. And I think um, some of these younger players actually became frustrated, right? And we kind of saw them trickle out of the team over time. But that doesn't mean I think he's bad or good at developing players. It just means that I think each era he'll, he will evaluate players differently um, based on what he wants to do. Like I've seen, I've seen many people say like, if he comes back, then Ceballos is screwed for that because Ceballos didn't really play under Zidane. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe things will be different this time. Maybe they won't. I don't know if he does come back. I'm acting like he's coming back. Like he is. Cause the other thing to make clear is that, the easiest, easiest story to fabricate in football is write a story that Zidane's going to come back to Real Madrid. You can copy and paste it, schedule it from now until we die every season because he's forever going to be linked with Real Madrid. So I think we have to also be careful not to go too crazy with that latest report. Um, it it may be true, it may not be, but um, I I do think we'll forever be linked with him and I think he's probably always a, a, a good choice anytime we we need someone like we put the bat signal out just kind of like how Yup Hank is anytime he was called upon for Bayern um he immediately was a good good decision and then they they brought in a, like a more long-term guy um but I I I'm a huge believer in Zidane and I'm curious to see where where he goes and what he does when he comes back and I'm looking forward to his evolution um I think he's he's far from a finished product yet. I think he's going to continually evolve. I'm I'm, cu- I'm curious to see how that goes. Uh, Godfrey, thanks for hopping on, my friend. Good chatting, okay? All right, thanks. All right, bro. We're going to bring in Aditya. Aditya, are you there? Thank you, Alan. How are you doing? Great, man. Welcome. Yeah, so... Two questions. First one was kind of following Godfrey's point about the midfield for the first leg, assuming yeah, Monrich isn't going to be available. I've been of the opinion that Chouameni has to start regardless, you know, if Modric was going to be fit for the first leg or not, because 
the way City used both their uh, wingers as well as their eights and the way Holland drops off to kind of like act as a decoy for uh, De Bruyne to run into transition. I don't think even even Kamavinga to a point, I don't like definitely not Cruz, but Kamavinga even, I don't think we, we would survive the first leg, forget the second one if we don't play Chumani. I think to be honest, the best way um the, the, he uh, to set up the midfield for the first leg is to have uh, a cross Germany and uh, Fred as the midfield. I think he touched on it before uh, Godfrey before me and uh, and obviously I think the the lineup besides that pretty much picks itself Rodrigo with Vinicius and Benzema and Carvajal Rudiger Alaba who looks like he's gonna be fit for the first leg and Kamavinga at left back. Because I heard, I heard some sh- like I heard some shouts on Twitter that maybe Nacho can't play there because he did have a great he did have a good first leg at Anfield when he came on for Alaba mm-hmm. when he came on for Alaba yeah so but I saw him this weekend and he uh, not this weekend this was like yesterday right or uh, Wednesday if I'm not mistaken Tuesday sorry Tuesday Tuesday yeah yeah, yeah the midweek games were messing me up so but. The, he was getting pulled apart left, right, and center, you know. And the way City City play with uh, Bernardo on the right, they don't play with a traditional uh, winger. They play with he plays more, he more drifts into midfield and switches places with De Bruyne, and you know they kind of like they have it like a dance, you know. I think if you, even Kamavinga, I think is going to struggle there, obviously, but I think he's more physically equipped to 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 handle those situations. Um, and the second point is not really Madrid related, uh, football related. I'm going to Madrid in uh, in December of this year. Uh, I was wondering if you can give me any tips for like staying there and you know, like I'm learning. I'm kind of uh, like I I started to learn the language a little bit, but I know you you go there on a pretty frequent basis. So if you can give me any like tips and stuff, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, for sure, man. Uh, you're going in December. Yeah, I think nineteenth or twentieth, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um. It really, de- I mean, it really depends on what you want to do when you're there and what you care about. Um. But if you're, the the good thing about Madrid is that it almost doesn't matter where you stay because the metro system is incredible. I also do a lot of walking, so um, if you don't care about being in the absolute city 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 central the downtown tourist part i would stay in a little bit more of like a a, a little bit outside of it like the chamberi area that that is a really good area just because it's really loud downtown if you want to sleep uh it's crazy like four or five a.m there's just do you all you hear is like club music and people screaming so if you want to stay if you don't care about being downtown uh and you don't mind walking like 20 minutes or so then maybe stay a little bit outside of it if you if you can, but it doesn't matter where you stay is is kind of the bottom line uh, with Madrid and uh, food. Just just go to tapas bars. Um, I'm happy if if you want to send me a, an email, I'm gonna put my email in the chat. Um, if you want anything specific, um, I'm happy to answer it. Just give me a second. Uh, all right, my email is yeah. Uh, feel yeah, free to I, email me. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll definitely find more questions. Also, I think the uh, the inauguration for the new Bernabeu is going to be around that time, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, the unless pl- it doesn't I get mean, delayed for like 
that's the hundred time. The, yeah, the the prop. I mean, ideally, it's ready for the beginning of next season. But the the like you said, you can't predict these things. Construction is constantly about delays and unexpected things that happen. Um, you know, yeah. even things like completely out of the club's control, like the the war in the war in Ukraine and getting shortage of materials, all that stuff. So, like, you never know. But they, yeah, I I hope for your sake you get to see that. Um, so your previous question about too many. I think is completely um, accurate. I completely wholeheartedly agree. Like even with Moritz or without Moritz, I would start him in this game. I have said it many times. I think people are bored of me saying it. Cruz cannot play in the six against City. Um, I think it works against Liverpool and Chelsea in part because Liverpool had zero midfield and Chelsea um, are worse than my my high school team right now. And I don't think there was enough pressure on him. I think City are going to be suffocating. I think they're more dynamic and they're positionally on a different level than those two previous opponents opponents we faced. Um, I want Cruz on the field. I just don't want him to be the guy who is responsible for tracking runners into the box and making sure cutbacks are intercepted, that there's no one free. The man marking is, is on point. Like you, that can't be the guy you, you lean on. Um, so I would put too many at the very, very worst. If you, if Carlos still does not trust Chuomeni by then, for whatever reason, then put Kamavinga there. Um, but I don't think it can be Cruz in that position. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah, because uh, I think the, the the big advantage actually we have with, at least in possession, with when you have Kamavinga at left back and Cruz as the left eight, is sometimes we talk a lot about that Vinicius, you know, many times last season and the, at least the first half of the season lacked you know, some help going down that left-hand side, especially when Friday was playing right wing. I think the main, like, people talk about how great City have been this season, especially with their new, like, kind of formation they've found with, a like, a 3-2-5, which Stone's inverting into into midfield and essentially playing four center backs when they, uh, when they, when they, when they defend. So, like, I remember last year they had Cancelo and Zinchenko defending the wings, along with Grealish, right? And that's, I remember the cross that uh, Carvajal does to Rodrigo, you know, uh, Grealish or Zinchenko, they don't, he doesn't close out properly. And I think uh, Pep realized that this season, they, uh, he really wanted to change the kind of weakness in, on, in one-on-one duels on the wings. I think that was a really cool thing that, that I guess he figured out. But the big problem I see is because they invert stones into midfield, there's this big gap in transition uh, in front of Ake or whoever the right center back is. And behind stones, there's this big... And usually, you know, that's where we overload the most, right? With Kamavinga, Rodrigo, Vinicius, Benzema. I think... Uh, I actually think we have a... I'm more confident that we can get a result against this team, even with Haaland and De Bruyne, than the city of last season. Because as much as um, as good as City are this season, I just last season they were pulling us apart for fun almost. And I don't think if they play Alvarez instead of Haaland, then they would have those rotations. I don't think we could handle that, especially uh, especially considering the fact we don't have. Uh, we can't really defend as well in a low block this season as we could last because of the loss of uh, Casemiro as as well as, you know, no Alaba for large chunks and Mendy's been pretty non-existent for the second half as well. So well, I'm actually feeling... Here you go. It'll be interesting to see what they do because that I think one curveball that Pep threw 
was that against Arsenal, he went with Walker uh, as right back. Then he put Stones back in defense and went more with the 4 3 3 kind of kind of formation. And I think that, that it's on the cards that he he would do that against us. Um yeah, yeah. I I also um part of like that the space you mentioned, and obviously Grealish is more a more important player last uh this year than he was last year. And last year that you know that Carvajal cross I think it was also situational in the sense that City at that point, psychologically, it felt like they were damaged at that point. So they were just making bad decisions too. At that point, they, the the psychology of Real Madrid was starting to overwhelm them. But I do think um, one thing that I was really disappointed with with Arsenal was that all that space that you mentioned that can be exploited, I was and for those of you who were on the the patron call before we did a patron call before that game, the uh, before the City Arsenal game, and I was like, I'm I'm looking forward to see how Arsenal actually exploit this space. You know, they have good wingers. Turns out, I mean, Saka and, and Martinelli were just completely isolated by City. And they were really disappointing. It's funny because we talk about Manchester City being our biggest test. I actually feel in a lot of ways, we are Manchester City's biggest test of the season as well. Um, and I think it's it's fine that we're being underrated. And I do firmly believe that City are rightfully favorites for this game. Um, so I don't really get involved in Real Madrid fans losing their shit every time a British pundit says Manchester City are, are favorites. I don't mind that at all, and I actually believe that's true. Rightfully so, they're favorites, but I do think we have a very realistic chance of beating them, and I also do think that we are their biggest test. Um, if Arsenal was their biggest Premier League test uh, and Arsenal play like that, uh, I, I feel like Real Madrid will be a, a bigger test. The pedigree, I mean, we have arguably the best winger in the world right now, and... I think we have a lot of experience. We have one of the best, at least one or two of the best midfielders in the world. We have Jeff, we have a really, really solid team that I think is can can be built to beat this team. But it's going to be fascinating. Uh, it's got to be better than what Arsenal showed, that's for sure. And it'll be interesting to see what Pep does because I think there's yeah. per, there's um, potential for him to just kind of change it up a little bit too. And and he he did throw the curveball against Arsenal with four at the back. What's really interesting, I'll kind of end off because I know other people probably want to talk as well, is that Arsenal, um, City obviously struggle with transition threats. And you look at the way both of Arsenal's wingers are and the way Arsenal operate, they're not a transitional based team. Saka is not as good as he is. And I think, you know, I'd love him at Madrid because we don't really have a right winger at all. But he's not a transitional threat. He's a great per- player in uh, in possession, you know, flicking the balls around the corner with his off-ball movement, etc. But he's not, you know, like Benicius, who can just run like a monster and attack 1v1 threats constantly. I don't think at any point during that game, Saka or Martinelli or even Jesus, when he was drifting out to the left, tried to, tried to just go take on one of the fullbacks or one of the centre-backs uh, in that case just 1v1 at all. And I think, you know, like you said, I think we have a great chance against them. I'm pretty confident. And hopefully we can pull something out of the bag. Obviously, the people talking a lot about that City game, but the the, the Osasuna Cup final is like, I think, the Saturday before. So hopefully we win that before and bring, some, bring those positive vibes into the first leg. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think uh, with, with Saka too and, and Martinelli and Jesus, they didn't get one. They didn't get enough touches on the ball. And second of all, I think they didn't. They did not attack to try to break lines. But I also think the coverage from City was really good to prevent them from doing that. And they they just 
they were terrible, to be honest. They were they were really terrible and City were great. Aditya, thanks for logging on, my friend. We'll chat soon, okay? Yeah, take care, guys. Okay, thanks. All right, buddy. Thank you. Shay Khatiri, we're going to bring Shay in. Shay, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Good, man. Uh, yourself? Uh, emotionally well. Uh, physically, I just started working out after almost a year. So every muscle in my body aches. That's good. Uh, that would be, yes. it would be bad if you, your workout must have really sucked if you're not hurting after the first time in a year. That is correct. Uh, but again, not fun. Uh, so how do you feel about Cruz as a six? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was about, uh, my head was about to pop up. <laughs> uh, on back to Zidane, I am actually curious about uh, if you think he will do well in, in if he comes back because his second tenure at Madrid was not uh, was underwhelming for me. Uh, if you remember. His first season, the second time he comes in, uh, we were struggling quite a bit until uh, the league was suspended because of COVID and we were at second place. And then uh, he comes back and we won every single game after that against a very poor Barca, actually. Uh, we won that league. And then second season, we struggled again. And uh, the first season, uh, I against city he was the team was quite bad and then against tuchel's uh chelsea he had no plans and i'm not attacking zidane at all i love zidane i just uh i just am wondering if you think he's ready to come back for a third term or he needs to uh show that he has more ideas he has come up with new ideas and he uh maybe shows himself in another team before coming back to Madrid and gains more experience. Yeah, I, I think with him, look, it's true that the second spell was a little bit underwhelming from a performance standpoint, but it was also uh, one of those things where, like, even though I was bored, we were winning. So, like, I would trade that. I would trade being entertained for trophies, you know what I mean? Like if, because it was more conservative, it was more defensive. He tightened up the rotation quite a bit, but he did win the league title. Um, and obviously when he came back mid-season from that um, nightmare season where we had Ronaldo left and Lopetegui came and then Solari came and then he came over mid-season. The season was over by the time he took over. Um, and he was just kind of experimenting to see what he has left with Marcelo Isco. So that one was a write-off. And a year after he won the league, um, but he won the league struggling until the pandemic. The team was struggling until the pandemic. And if I remember correctly, in the last four or five games before the pandemic, we only won one. And we were second place going into the delay. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying it was lights out football. And it was yeah. a, against a bar a very weak Barca too. I'm not saying yeah, it was yeah. uh, lights out and, and you you shouldn't be able, you should look at all those nuances of the league title for sure. Um, yeah, but like I do think that was Zidane also like there's so much talent in this Real Madrid team, and it's such a unified team that I think it it does feel like a natural fit for him to manage this this a squad like this, in my opinion. Now, uh, but I, if I if you sorry, go on, go on. But just that the reason I'm skeptical about these these reports about Zidane coming back is that 
it was made very clear when he left. Like, dude, this president behind my back leaked to the press stories about me getting sacked. I just don't appreciate that shit. Like, what magically changes for him to come back a third time? Like, there was reasons why he left the first time, reasons why he left the second time. And, like, I just feel like he's a really smart man, and he doesn't care about money to the point like some of these other figures do. He's walked away from big, big money twice, once as a manager, once as a player. So I don't think he's in desperate need. I need to come back and, like, you know, prove myself and and make bank again. I really feel like he values the way he's being treated. And I just don't know in his mind what has changed for him to come back a third time. That's why I'm kind of skeptical about him actually coming back, to be quite honest with you. Um, but yes, you were going to make a, a point. What were you going to yeah, say? Yeah, so uh, then uh, now I have to make two points <laughs> because that what you mentioned. But my first point is that in a way, Zidane actually, to endorse your point about the uh, talent in this squad Zidane is very much like Carlo for me because both of them are appear to me to be coaches who struggle in teams without talent like Carlo in Everton and uh, Napoli was not that good but in teams with talent he's fantastic and Zidane is quite the same way to me that he cannot deliver very well in teams that lack excellent uh, talent or mature talent, but nobody can do better uh, than he can in teams that are uh, that have an abundance of talent. And second point, you I mentioned why he would come back. I don't know. I mean, he also left the first time and came under quite similar circumstances and came back. And I wonder if the leaks were just a uh, straw that broke the camel's back, which is to say that just Madrid is exo- it's exhausting to manage Madrid's dr- dressing room. And he was just emotionally t- and mentally tired. And he also uh, hated press conferences with a passion. Yeah. So, and, and if it, like all these things uh, combined and you're emotionally tired and, and you see the leaks, you're like, okay, I'm leaving. And, uh, like the first time after a year, after two years, after three years, you're uh, you you have had some psychological rest and are ready to come back. And again, after two or three years, you'll be exhausted again and leave and take a break. Maybe that that is also it. Look, I mean, two three years is a long time, even like to 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 just manage a club, let alone manage a club like Real Madrid. Um, look, I, I will say this: we have to move on after this because uh, there's a few more hands up, but. Uh, if there's one person who has the power to convince someone else that nothing ever happened, like from a politician standpoint, is Florentino Perez. Like he just, the amount of relationships he just mends and as if nothing has happened in the past, it's, you know, Florentino is an absolute expert at that. <laughs> so I think he can probably convince you down one way or the other if, if that was the case. Shay, always a pleasure, man. Rest up. All right. Uh, next, we got Adam. Adam, are you there? The next few guys, uh, I'm just going to make a request. Can we make them concise? Um, because I only have like five minutes left top. So we're going to see if we can do a little bit rapid fire here. Adam, you there? Yeah, I'll be quick, guys. Yeah, can you hear okay, me, guys? Okay, bro. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a quick question. So um, obviously, seeing the Bellingham story today, 
Yeah. Um, personally, I'm a big fan of Ceballos um, in our team as well. So looking at the future, I don't really understand why we need to go and spend, you know, the 120 odd million that they're asking for. So just in your opinion, Kian, what would you say is like more reliable in terms of the reports coming out? Do you reckon there's any truth in it? Or do you reckon we're just going to, you know, not going to overprice ourselves and just maybe extensive by us? That's it, really. I, okay, it's great, great question. Um, yeah, I can't believe it took this song from Bellingham to come up <laughs> based on the report today. But uh, I, I think, um, I think the offer for Bellingham will be what it is. It's going to be a take it or leave it type deal. Where I don't think Real Madrid will go out of their way to fill up multiple briefcases for him. They know what they can afford for a player who let's be honest, as great as he is and as, as high as I rate him is a luxury in a lot of ways because our midfield is stacked and Cruz and Modric may still yet renew. We have Ceballos, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I Look, I, I think there's also like two sets. Just to, I just want to make a point on this too. There are two yeah. sets of fans that I've seen like with their opinions on this. One is that we got to get him. And two is that we absolutely don't need him. It's a bad signing. And I think, I, I think as much as he is a luxury, I think he's so good that even though he should not be a priority and the priority is right back and a backup striker or striker, uh, he is so good that he will be a great signing no matter how much of a luxury he is. He's that good. Mm-hmm. I believe in him. I really do. And I think, you know, five, ten years from now, you're going you're gonna to not regret having a player like him. That's my, that's my prediction. Having said that, I don't think, rightfully so, he is a priority. He's not a priority, rightfully so. Uh, and then I think it'll be Bellingham himself who will have to decide, is it worth coming to Real Madrid? Is the project enticing enough for me to go there and take a salary cut? Because he mm-hmm. will get paid more in England. He will. Like, that's just a fact. He will get paid more in England. And so... Yeah, uh, I, I kind of have the opinion that he wants to go to England. You know, he's English. Because I'm, I'm, from, I'm from England, you see. So I yeah. hear all the, you know, the, the Premier League fans, you know, they, they're obsessed over him. And personally, for me, I do think he's a good player, of course, but I, still, I just think the way we play and just with Ceballos' connection with the players, the way he plays at Vinny as well, I just don't see why we haven't renewed him yet. This is the problem with Real Madrid. I don't understand why we don't, you know, look at our players and, and give them what they deserve. I just feel Ceballos, he's a Madrid star at heart. You know, he's passionate. He's everything that what a Madrid star, Madrid star wants, fan wants. When I look at him, I know he's passionate about my club. That's why I don't want Mbappe because I don't feel like, obviously, he doesn't pay for Real Madrid, so he's not going to have that love. But, you know, there are some players that have that love for Madrid even before they come in. I just think he does represent what Real Madrid is and wants to be in the future with Mbappe. Um, Vinicius, he's the perfect example of a player who I would pretty much die for. I love Vinicius just because he's everything a Real Madrid fan wants. So, you know, I just think we need to look at that and I feel like our club needs to adopt more of that style of players who want to play for our club rather than players who are going to be good in 10 years or who are going to make us a lot of money, you know? Yeah. Uh, look, you're speaking my language. I think Ceballos has earned the renewal. Like He's mm-hmm. done enough to earn a renewal. I think he should continue. No, no question. Yeah. Uh, Adam, thanks for, thanks for joining, my friend. It was good thanks, chatting. Man. All right. Uh, next up, we got Manuel. Manuel? Manuel Gamborino. What's up? What's up, Kian? Hey, man. Um, just two quick questions. I'll keep it concise. Uh, okay. The first is, in your opinion, which would be the one versus one duel which is more detrimental to get the tie, actually, ahead of the City game? If it's to stop, actually stop Haaland or stop the channels of the City team to uh, 
get to Poland? And what do, and given Benzema's struggles, how the link between the midfield and the attack, especially the two wingers, would have to work or connect to overload and attack the space? And what would you prefer the 11 would be ahead of time? I don't think it's like one or the other for the first question. Um, Holland is probably the, the best off-ball mover we have in football right now. Um, he's just so cerebral about showing up in the right places and City in turn generate the most chances of anyone. And so that's a bad combination. So I don't, it's like, it's not like you, you prevent one or the other, but I do think for that reason that you mentioned, Carlos gonna lean towards the safety net of being a bit more conservative and playing a little bit deeper to just clog the channels a little bit and to make sure that you can limit the amount of balls that go into the box for Holland to feed off of. The second question, I'm not sure if I understand it properly. Do you want to rephrase it? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so we all know that Benzema's physically, physical state is not at the, at least not at the level of the last season. So to re replace that, uh, the activity and of the ball movement that he currently, or he used to have, how should the two wingers act in order to be able to attack this space uh, that City will leave? I mean, thinking that they are currently using some sort of 3-5-2 formations with Stones acting as a sort of central defensive midfielder for progression and that the, the, their centre-backs are like the nominal pullbacks. Well, the, the answer is have Rodrigo on the field. Um, you like If you go back and watch any of the last few Rodrigo games, apart from the last one, but uh, like go watch the second leg at the Camp Nou. Go watch the Chelsea games. Rodrigo's fluidity and movement completely broke Chelsea and Barcelona. And just having... And I'm not saying you replace Benzema with Rodrigo. What I'm saying is you have Rodrigo on the field with those two together. Because that in itself creates so much more space. It creates one extra run to drag defenders around for City to deal with. You make City's job a lot easier defensively if you only have Vinicius. Plus, God knows what shape Benzema will be in. It's easier to mark. You just kind of focus your defensive energy and transition to make sure Vinicius doesn't have space. So the answer to me is just have Rodrigo on the field. You need, you need that third attacking option, I think. So you're going to sacrifice a little bit defensively, probably, but I think it's going to be necessary to increase your chances and increase the volume of chances against City. This is the way I look at it. All right, Manuel. Who does thanks not for... love a fight fire against fire, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, you'd be, you'd be smart about it. I'm not saying you go gung-ho and just have the three up there and then just have them isolated and, and not be compact. But I'm just saying, I think even in transition, if you if even if you want to play defensively, and you want to get Rodrigo, you want to get Vinicius help in transition, you can play with Rodrigo a little bit deeper in the 4-3-3, but then have him join the attack in transition. And he can overload the left side, and he can go down the middle, he can go down the right, and just have him on the field, in my opinion, I think is really important. Thank you, man. Thanks, Manuel. Good question. Um, Farid, are you there? Hi, Kian. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm oh, fine, thank you. Great. Um, so. Just a quick question. Uh, I, I think a lot of people have been um, worried about the midfield, which I actually am not. For some reason, I feel like we have the best 
talent in midfield that we're set for the next 10 years at least. But what worries me is the lack of information coming from the club regarding the right back. I feel like that's that's a position that we've we've suffered, I don't know, since Lucas Vasquez was the last addition to that. We have Odrezola and he isn't even playing. So I want to I want your opinion on what you think the club might do. I love future. I love how our last right back signing was promote uh, Lucas Vasquez from right wing. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> he was converted and for, well actually under Zidane he did well in that position but under Carlo I, I'm not so sure he's been that effective as he has been for Zidane. So um, I want to know like what your opinion is in the future like next season next summer if we if we're going to promote Vinicius Tobias or we're going to write, sign another right back. And uh, if you think uh, Carvajal is going to fare, if he's going to hold his own, you know, against Grealish in the Manchester City tie to come next week. Yeah, uh, look, it's a great question. And I I think I've been pretty clear. Like I mentioned this when the Bellingham question came up, that the priority is to me a right back, not Bellingham. But I would love Bellingham. But I'm just putting into context that I think it's really important for us to upgrade the right back position. Uh, the Grealish Carvajal thing I did kind of answer earlier in the podcast, but I think it'll be a big test, bigger test than what he's facing against Liverpool and Chelsea. And I also think that I'm just, I guess, with all due respect to Carvajal, who I think is actually probably the greatest right back we ever had, at least top two. With all due respect to him, I'm just not sold on these performances against Chelsea and Liverpool. I'm not fully convinced. If I'm convinced, it just means that he's able to put together good performances at certain points of the season. But even if he can do that, you can't rely on him to do that over the course of a season. So to have him as your only pure right-back option is crazy because Zola is just not good enough. He's not trusted. Vinicius Tobias is completely raw, has a lot he needs to work on. And by the way, he's going to cost money too this summer if we want to keep him. We have to actually buy him for, I think, it was $16 million or something. Not crazy amount, but it's there. It's not a free upgrade. Um, but look, the, the right-back market is thin, but it's not like there were not options. There were plenty of options over the last two years that we just decided to ignore. So that tells me that the club didn't value it that highly, and they really believed in Carvajal and Vasquez. And um, I think that'll change this summer. I don't know who the name is, but I think it will change in terms of whether they think they need one or not, I think they will. They will. They will look to bring someone in. I don't know what the name, who the name is, to be quite honest with you, but I think their stance on that has changed a little bit. So hopefully, yeah. Good Thank question, you, buddy. Thank you, man. Thank you. Nice chatting with you. Uh, all right, we're gonna bring in uh, Austin. That'll be the last one. Uh, also, sorry, I have not had time to keep up with the chat, but I hope everything is going great and it's PG there. Hopefully everything's okay. Uh, I don't see any, I don't see Shay making any horrified faces. So I, Shay's the moderator. Uh, all right, Austin, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Good morning, Ken. All right. How you doing? Uh, good. So I just have um, like something that's been in my mind for a very long one. So against the City game, why don't we just go with Chouamini, Tamavinga, and um, Bavedi in the midfield? Reason being is like, obviously, City are going to have most of the ball. So to me, it's like, it's kind of pointless. 
playing Cruz, especially when if you want him to try and go ahead and attack for the ball and trying to sit back, go forward, sit back. I think it's kind of pointless playing him in that kind of situation. And if we can play with someone like uh, uh, Valverde and Kamavinga uh, as the eight, both left and right side, we can help with the defense and the transition, which is the only way I think we can be City on the transition, winning the ball back and going forward. So I don't, I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm kind of, I won't say I'm happy, but I'm giving us a kind of a little bit with Modric being out, especially for the first leg, to try and implement this, see if we can find a way to keep them on the transition, because I think that's the only way we can beat them. So I don't know your thoughts about it. Yeah, thanks for the question. I, I think your proposed midfield works just fine in theory. Uh, I think it would do well, but there's no way Cruz is going to get benched for that city game. No chance, especially now that with Modric out, there's no way Ancelotti will bench Cruz too. Also, the way he's also explained it in the pre- previous press conferences, especially against Liverpool, um, but also against Barca, he said this, that Real Madrid to escape pressure. There's no one better than Cruz and Water should do that. And uh, we know that if there's one thing that City are known for, it's pressing. And so if you're not having Wardage there, for sure he's gonna he's going to put Cruz on the field. Um so I, I there's no way that's not happening. It's not that your mid proposed midfield doesn't work. I think it does, but um I also think Cruz is one hundred percent for sure gonna gonna start. So but it's a, yeah, it's a good lineup. We are seeing, yeah, we are seeing three games against um, Barcelona this season. When we lost that, with the pressure, he didn't he didn't escape it. Like we have like have a sufficient um, sample size this season to see that, except on the first before the first zero that we won, the last three games when the pressure was on, he did not escape. It. So I think we have enough sample size to see. I don't think we can use Liverpool to benchmark because they have been very poor this season. So I think against Barcelona when the press was we didn't. We did not escape. He did not escape the pressure. Even the last game, even though like the league has been lost, you can, you can, you can, you can escape that. But when we have been pressured against better teams, he has not escaped this season. Like we have three three games to look at to see when he has been pressured, he did not come out with the ball well. So I don't, I don't get why. I understand like him wanting to start like based on the senior man and all, but like we have enough sample size this season to see that it does not work when he's put under pressure. Our, when you put him up the field to try and win the ball, it does not work. We have enough sample to see. Yeah, and look, we'll see how the City game unfolds. I think Cruz will start that game, uh, and we'll see how he does. And, and in conjunction with now, admittedly, Force without Mordic being there, uh, two younger midfielders alongside him, and also probably a forced uh, a forced introduction of Ceballos in the second half uh, because the depth chart is a little bit lower or uh, less now than it was with Mordic healthy. So we'll see how it goes. And we'll see also, I think there's going to be some important subs to be made in the second half. Austin, thanks for the question, guys. That's, I really got to go that's now. Last question. What's that? Do you think he starts with, if Mordic was fit, he was going to start with both of them if he was fit. Yeah, he would. I think he would. My 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 hunch is that he would. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, I can't say for sure. I guess we'll never know. But <laughs> I, I think he would. As the moderator, I'm intervening, saying that Keon is out of time. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Shay. Uh, yeah, uh, thanks. we need an enforcer. Bye. I'm, 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 I'm too polite in these situations. But yeah, Austin, thanks so much for for tuning in. Great questions, guys. I hope this went well. Um, I think it was a relative success that we opened this up for free for the first time. 
Uh, if you like this kind of stuff and you want to do this every week, we do this once a week, patreon.com slash managing Madrid. And you get not only this, but a ton of bonus content. Both Manchester, Manchester City shows will be only on Patreon live on Zoom. So uh, if you guys are patrons in the chat, just do a quick review. Be like, hey, this is awesome. It's worth it. Um, just so everyone knows that I'm not making this up. It's a, it's a, it's a huge family and it's, it's a ton of fun. So thanks for tuning in guys. We will, um, be back tomorrow after the game, Almeria. Uh, we got that game to cover and we got some bonus content coming in the next 24 hours. Uh, as everyone says, definitely worth becoming a patron. Thanks guys. Appreciate you all. Ending the call now. Take care and hala Marie. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.